0: Oh, hi tonight i'm gerald me donaldson why are, you, why are you like this i can't even do the name right it's been two takes and i can't do the name right so we
1: had to do this is our second opening yeah i was coughing you were messing up yeah and the pa- sound wasn't waking up right no maybe this is a cursed episode
0: no it's not it's you fine you can know i can know but who are we we are Dead, dead my, my dearest. dearest welcome everybody and i'm sarah and i forgot to say that but i hope you know do that by to now a third of no things. no keep it rolling we keep can. it rolling
1: <clears throat> um i don't have the rona it's really Thank- really bad allergies down here and mm-hmm. i can't breathe today so i'm yeah. gonna be coughing
0: i'm glad that you don't have the rona but that's okay because I, I already had the rona i already had the rona yeah, yeah. Well, that makes two of us yeah it's almost like we gave it to each other
1: through kissing,
0: yeah, kissing. <laughs> it's good times. It
1: was through an airplane.
0: But what are we on. talking about today? Is this is this the fabled final? This
1: is finally Burke and Hair, which I've been talking about for like five episodes,
0: and to me, basically, since we started this podcast. Yes, Yes. Yeah.
1: I got really like <sighs> part of the reason, outside of she's just awesome, that we had a bunch of Sarasodes lately. Is I was having weird anxiety about this because it's just something like I love so much. And I'm like, that's our son trying to open the closet if you can hear him in the background. He's just being a weirdo. Um and by son I mean my three-legged cat. Good job, bud. He's
0: done it. He's opened it. Good gotta,
1: job. Gotta go explore. Okay, bye.
0: <laughs> bye. <clears throat>
1: Yeah, so I had, like, weird anxiety about it. I I just really, like, wanted to do a good job, and that was getting to be, like, overwhelming.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, hey, we're here now. Yeah. And you did it.
1: I did it. So. This is going to be our first three-parter. That's a lot of parts. I got really excited. Okay. This was me trimming it down. Jeez. I got excited. Okay. I couldn't help it. Let's do it. Let's do this thing. So, part one. Kick it. Episode 14, Birkenhair. So, just a little general overview, because a lot of people don't know what the heck Burke and Hare, like who they are. Really? I thought a lot of people knew them, but that's not the case.
0: And you know what? I am one of those people who, who didn't-
1: doesn't? I, oh, you didn't, because I was telling you.
0: But me. you told me, yeah. So, I didn't, no. So, William
1: Burke and William Hare were two men who committed 16 murders over the course of a 10-month period in Edinburgh, Scotland, during the year 1828. (coughs) They then, this is the best part, sold the corpses to Dr. Robert Knox to be dissected in his anatomy lessons. That's messed up. Yeah. Uh, This series of crimes is also referred to as the Westport Murders. Um, If you're just doing or interested in research for yourself, I super recommend there are a shit ton of Books, plays, novels, movies, so much stuff about Birkenhair Hare because they're really fascinating. Uh, so check them out after we give you some of the deets. Yeah, please. That, that sounds awesome. But give us the deets. All right. So first, in order to... That's also our son.
0: <laughs> We're all having a weird day Yeah, today. it's a
1: weird day. Um, just to kind of set the tone for this, there's a lot that has to be um, understood before we get into why this was such a sensational crime or series of crimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about medicine um, at the time. So not quite Victorian England, but I'm going to say Victorian England because it's right on the cusp. Um, This is 1820s. It's important. So I'm just going to touch this very lightly because I want to do a whole episode dedicated to Victorian medicine because it's wild. Remember, in episode one, we're talking about lead in yuhuha. ha
0: Ooh, I forgot about yeah.
1: that. <laughs> um, so just, just a little taste of what's going on at this time. We see a revolution in the 1820s in the way in which medicine is taught. Previously, doctors had to study for just two years and then take an exam at the end. And that exam um, was basically entirely... Like, how well you could memorize. Just rote knowledge. That's it. That's easy. Yeah. I mean, it was a lot of memorized facts, but that's all it was. Memorized facts.
0: Yeah. It wasn't a lot of, like, practice or anything. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, Medical. And this is still good because prior to that, it's not like people were getting a great education as a doctor. Uh, Yeah. We're going from, like, barbers into, you know.
0: Actual doctors. Yeah.
1: Quote-unquote surgeons. Yeah. So medical educators decide, yeah, instead doctors are, study, are going to study for four years and then they're going to take exams at the end of that that focus on critical thinking skills as well as proving that they have knowledge in a uh, wealth of medical fields. Ooh. Yeah, so a lot, a lot better. <clears throat> doctors and apothecaries working at this time um, very, very frequently doubled as teachers. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. Um, and during this time, too, we see a lot more specialty hospitals being built, um, not just kind of general overall. like this one is specifically for kids with TB. This one is for little old ladies with the humors, blah, blah blah, that kind of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> and they're expanding patient rooms as well. so um, just far better facilities than what we had seen previously. We also have much better classifications of disease. As well as the discovery of certain drugs that help with treatment like morphine and quinine. I don't know if that's how that word is pronounced. I've only ever read it.
0: Quinine. Quinine. Yeah.
1: Um, So also to be aware of, um, germ theory is kind of coming into focus at this time. Oh, yeah. That would be around. So germ theory starts as early as the thousands, Mm -hmm. right? But it didn't really take hold in the West for a long time. Um, During early Victorian times, so kind of right around this era, uh, people thought miasmas or bad airs are what caused disease. Okay, yeah. So like you go out in in a swamp or you're around like someone who's sick. Like they had some kind of idea of contagion, but they weren't quite where they needed to be. But germ theory sees a real resurgence and acceptance with Lister's research in the 1850s. So it's a little bit before this um Birkenhair and Robert Koch's work in the eighteen eighties.
0: Okay. All right.
1: Um, also just to know, in 1892, so sometime after Birkenhair, uh Dmitry Ivanovsky, he definitively proved that viruses were different from bacteria and infectious, but doctors didn't really know how to treat them for quite some time. Okay. Like they were mm-hmm. aware that these were different things, but they didn't know how to Battle viruses. Right, exactly. Which makes sense.
0: And I mean, did they really have antibiotics at that point? No. I think um, they did, yeah. Antibiotics,
1: penicillin specifically, is not discovered until a hundred years later in nineteen twenty eight. Right, right. So that's like we're, you know, it's still pretty wild west out here. But it's
0: cool that they recognize the difference between those two yeah. things. Oh, yeah. Pretty early. Yeah.
1: Um, so this kind of medical revolution as a whole is just kicking off in the eighteen twenties. Um, And Edinburgh is an epicenter for teaching medicine, specifically anatomy, at this time. So there was like three centers. One was in Spain. I forget what the other one was. And one was Edinburgh. Um, So to move into this, that's where we are with medicine. Now we want to talk a little bit about people's anxieties around death in general and grave robbing.
0: Ah yes, the two things I always think of as anxieties: death and grave robbing.
1: I'm I'm fine with both. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I'm just going to touch lightly on this because this will be a whole episode in and of itself because it's pretty wild. Um, so we have this push for better-trained doctors and a changing curriculum for the medical students, right? So the need for bodies to dissects to dissect grows dramatically prior to 1832 so this is you know some a couple of years earlier bodies could only be obtained for dissection if it was a criminal who was condemned to death the courts decided a person's crime was so heinous that once they died even if they weren't being executed their body would be dissected the person was a suicide or, this is really fucked up, um, no one claimed the body or it was an orphan slash foundling. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So this produced, this is a very rough estimate, about 50 people a year, but the schools needed at least 500.
0: Right. That right? makes sense, yeah.
1: So we see a huge demand and trickling supply. Also, for some of these bodies... Um, especially kind of like uh, the unclaimed one, they were usually in a state of pretty advanced decay by the time they got to the schools, and that's not optimal for teaching anatomy. I mean, no, if the parts
0: are falling apart, yeah. then also you know, it smells it's good like
1: for, crap. Uh, well, I, everything smelled like crap back then. They were throwing poop out the window.
0: <laughs> true. I mean, that's true.
1: So they really wanted fresh bodies. So because of this... Grave robbing became super prevalent; like <laughs> it was absurd.
0: Of course, it this did. is
1: you know probably from like throughout the 1700s into um, the 1800s to about 1832, and I'll talk why that year in, is important specifically. It got so bad that families would stay with the body after the body died, right, having the wake. And then they would stay after the burial just to watch the grave.
0: Oh wow! Yeah,
1: um, we find inventions like you know those um, caged iron, like bars. Yeah, that you see. I'm gonna put up some pictures on our social media. Yeah, yeah, I've those seen are that. called mort saves, and those are to prevent grave robbing. Oh. Now, there's a thing. Sometimes you see like a meme picture and it's like, oh, the Victorians were afraid of the zombie apocalypse. Now, bitch, they were afraid of grave robbing. That's why we have
0: that. Right. And I see. They didn't want their loved ones to be taken for devious things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, Grieving families could rent out these big, like long stone slabs. And uh, they rented that for a time until they knew the bodies were like decomposed enough that they could take the slabs off. Because no one would dig them up. Wow. There are watchtowers that are manned by guards put up in graveyards. um, And wealthy people even hired private guards to stay at the graveside. Holy crap. Right? So it also becomes an issue because grave robbing, if you disturbed a grave and took items from the grave, like off the body, that was a misdemeanor. It wasn't a felony, so a lot lighter sentence, and you weren't going to be executed or anything. Okay. Um, Taking the body itself was not technically illegal, because by law, at the time, the body belonged to, quote, no one. Okay. (laughs) So people could—it was hard, even if you caught them, to kind of prosecute them. Right, right. Um, robbers just made up some really wild ways in which they burgled bodies, too. <laughs> um, there are some graveyards that found tunnel systems throughout the graveyard. So they weren't even going in from the top. Like, basically the front of the coffin where the head would be was broken into because they tunneled in from the side. They pull slide the corpse out that way and fucking, like, skitter like rabbits out of this wow. tunnel. This is so gnarly, they, so they man. Would, like,
0: like really put a lot of effort oh, into yeah. this oh yeah
1: oh yeah well they got hella good money for the bodies that's why
0: so it's worth the time oh my
1: god yeah um in the u.s grave robbers would hire women to go to places where a lot of times um bodies would be shown like at a uh police station or a local morgue things like that that makes sense until yeah. like someone came to claim them right and they actually just like propped them up in windows and everything. Oh, it was pretty wow. wild. Yeah. Um, get, that in itself we'll talk about in the future. But that became like a weird tourist attraction for people. Especially if like they were like female suicides and beautiful and all this fucked up stuff. It was really messed up.
0: Get your free corpse here. Yeah. People
1: even made money off of like the viewings. Right. It was very strange. But these grave rob- robbers would hire women to pretend to be grieving family and claim the bodies. I was waiting for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, like I'm just you know that's pretty cool ingenuity <laughs> it's a good day's work that's a good grift right there yeah um, grave robbers at the time were called resurrectionists or resurrection men Um, I think this is funny because of the gallows humor of it I mean yeah <laughs> but also because this encapsulates why it was such a big idea to rob graves at the time outside of like the horror, like your your family member or your friend is newly deceased and you find their body has been taken without permission, which is horrible. Um, many Christian Victorians believed that the body had to remain fully intact in order to be resurrected by Jesus on the day of judgment.
0: Oh. Yeah.
1: So if it was dissected or missing parts, the body wouldn't be resurrected. Okay. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of other religions that believe in this idea of universal resurrection as well. I'm happening to mention Christianity because it was the most um, prevalent, prevalent, thank you, I was going to say populist, same thing basically, Yeah. Um, religion at the time in England. I think it still is. Probably, yeah. Yeah. This belief in universal resurrection doesn't kind of die down, like people are still really fervent about it until 1902 when we see cremation becoming popular um and then because like people want to get cremated they're like no no I'll totally be resurrected it's fine <laughs> <laughs> interesting how the times change <laughs> oh yes
0: your options
1: so again grave robbery is just so virulent and rampant it's absurd in this time period that people often protested and rioted against it Um, In 1725, so like 100 years earlier, there was a riot in Edinburgh that resulted in the destruction of an anatomical theater. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Pretty wild. Um, In 1749, citizens attack one of Glasgow's medical schools in Scotland. Wow. Holy crap. Uh, And in the 1820s, so right at the time that this is all happening, the citizens of Edinburgh uh, they have a public protest in the streets to protest grave robbing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Crazy? That's He's wild.
0: Yeah. I, I just can't. I can't picture that. I'm trying to. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. What do you even write on those signs? I would ow, just be writing ow. puns after puns.
1: Um, so now we're going to talk about the criminals themselves.
0: Ooh. Bam, bam,
1: bam, bam, bam. Doing it.
0: A we musical could, interlude. We could take a musical Let's interlude. Let's take a musical interlude. And then come back and talk about criminality. I think that's perfect. All right. I'm going to drink some of your soda. Okay. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. Bye. No one heard me say that. I liked it, though.
1: <laughs> All right. So, the criminals. Dun,
0: dun, 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 dun.
1: <laughs> um, prior to these crimes, neither man uh, had done anything, not wrong, but criminal or illegal in their life.
0: Oh, first-time offenders. I,
1: well, they really went for it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Seriously.
1: So, both men are named William. I'm going to refer to them by their last names, so it's not crazy confusing. Uh, William Burke was from Ireland, and by all accounts he had a, a decent upbringing and he had an education, which was pretty good.
0: That's not as common back then. Uh, indeed, and that lets me see who was the brains of this operation. Um,
1: I don't know that that's true.
0: Really? Yeah, we'll find out. He wasn't the one that came up with the idea? I will tell you. Oh, you got to find out. Uh, so he was,
1: again, from Ireland, and he came to Scotland in 1817 working as a laborer in the Union Canal. Uh, he and, had a wife and two kids in Ireland, but when he like got established and wrote to his wife to come over, she was like, nah, dude, I'm good.
0: She was just like, I'm... <laughs> she pe- didn't want to.
1: <laughs> Peace, dog. Yeah. So he beca- began living with a woman named Helen McDougall, who may or may not have been a sex worker. Don't know for sure. Cool. Yeah. Um, I'm just... Just a fun tidbit. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: I want not have to file that away for later.
1: Uh, No. Okay. No. Um, And by 1828, they had been living together for about 10 years, so they were common law married, um, and everybody assumed that they were just married. Burke worked a bunch of different jobs, but he eventually became a cobbler, a shoemaker, which was pretty skilled. Yeah, Uh, People reported him as being very friendly and really charismatic. Uh, He was kind of a bigger guy. He had been raised Roman Catholic, um, but he always attended a nearby Presbyterian church and, ha- and like, carried a Bible with him. Oh, wow. So yeah.
0: He was super religious. Yeah. yeah.
1: So they always, like, talk about him. I, I'm i going to try to put up more pictures on Facebook because um, Instagram, I have so many good pictures, but we can't, they're too small for the formatting. Yeah, sorry. so frustrating because they're fun, such good stuff for people. Uh-huh. Anyway, so William Hare, he was the smaller of the two. Uh, He had come to Edinburgh as well. He was also from Ireland. Um, He came for work as a laborer. He worked a bunch of different jobs, um, from helping work in the canal, because that's when they were like building stuff, uh, to selling fish. He probably came from a poorer background and probably couldn't read or write. He was a most likely. Um, He stayed in a lodging house in Edinburgh, um, in an area known as Tanner's Close, so a lodging house is kind of like a split between a hostel and a hotel or inn at the time. Gotcha. It was usually for longer-term residents. Oh, okay, yeah. Kind of also kind of like apartments. It's it's a weird mix. Supposedly, when he came to stay in this lodging house, he had an affair with the wife of the landlord. Her name was Margaret. Oh. Right? And he gets chased out by the husband.
0: That makes, yeah. I was going to be like, that has to happen. But
1: uh, through probable sheer circumstance, though it can't be proven, the husband dies shortly thereafter.
0: Ooh, weird.
1: A little weird, but, you know, there's no, there's no, like, recorded suspicion about it. Just seems to be circumstance. Well, I'm suspicious. <laughs> so William moves back in. And he marries Margaret, who becomes Margaret Hare, in 1826. So she has a kid from her first marriage, and then she's pregnant with Hare's baby during the period of the murders, like the whole time. She goes, she is part of the trial later on, and she has her, like, newborn there. Oh,
0: that's awful. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, It's pretty interesting, too. I will just, I'll I'll give this little fact, because I might not mention it later. When she's in the trial... She's trying to like not implicate herself and her baby had whooping cough at the time. So like the baby was coughing and she basically take that um, to gain sympathy from people and to give herself time to think of answers.
0: Interesting. Yeah. She'd like
1: keep pausing while the baby. And I, I mean, the baby was sick with fucking whooping cough, yeah. too, which is yeah. super dangerous. But just a little tidbit.
0: Way to use your kid as
1: a literal prop. I, I mean, she was pretty monstrous. So yeah. they all were pretty monstrous all right Burke and Hare they go to uh, Midlothian which is a different part of Scotland um, where there's like a big harvest there's a lot of planters out there and they become really good friends like they just work this job together and they're like cool I like you I like you probably because they both have an, an Irish background is like kind of what it started from I see yeah um, so <laughs> they become super good buddies uh, Hare has a lodging house Burke moves into it okay. so he's there okay Um, I guess they were, like, well-known for being really loud and drinking a lot (laughs) in their (laughs) neighborhood. But also, like, Burke was pretty well-liked. Like, people didn't have a problem with hair. Right. Yeah. Um, Then we have Dr. Robert Knox. He has not been proven to be attached to this or have knowledge of it, but we'll get into that debate later. So he is a fellow of the Royal College of Edinburgh. He was fully qualified to work as a doctor at this time, right? He has all, all the stuff. Um, but in 1827 to 1828, he's doing research and working as a private anatomy lecturer, primarily. Um, he'd been teaching for about two years in this capacity, and he his long-term goal was to become a professor at the University of Edinburgh and teach there. Okay. Uh, He also, at the same time, he's getting several books about anatomy, like getting them through the process of being published. I think both his works and other
0: people's works. That sounds very difficult for the time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And he's serving as the curator of the Museum of College of Surgeons in Edinburgh. Oh, wow. So that's a lot of anatomy as well. Yeah. Um, So his particular need for bodies was extensive. Like research, uh, the books, the museum, everything, and teaching, obviously. So um, nobody can prove his guilt in these murders. It's scholars are fairly certain certain that he did not push the men to do it in any capacity, um, but he probably knew like something about this was suspicious because it was very difficult to get fresh bodies, this fresh. Um, and just given, like, what was going on at the
0: time, he was like, he probably knew. This made me think of Birkin hair, freshness guaranteed. Ugh. Ugh. Um, so most people at the
1: time thought he was complicit. He did have a lot of supporters who were mostly his colleagues and students that claimed that um, Birkin which is the term then like, used immediately after. It's a specific type of suffocation. Um, left no forensic traces. Oh. And a historian later confirms that this would have been difficult to determine. Right. Um, but others pointed out that 16 of the 17 corpses that Burke and Hare sell him were incredibly fresh. One body was still warm. Oh,
0: wow. Right? They yeah. still
1: have that information. Yeah. Um, he really didn't ask any kind of questions about anything. <laughs> and he was a very talented anatomist. Did he really not find any kind of proof on these bodies? Okay. So we'll we'll talk about it. Uh, given his position at the time and his need for so many bodies, scholars who researched them, and they are extensively researched, believe that he probably had a, an extensive network of body snatchers, resurrection men that he worked with, that got him bodies not just from Edinburgh, but Glasgow, <laughs> Manchester, and
0: even Dublin. Wow, he was going quite the distance. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially like moving those bodies at that time. <sighs> Wait till all you of hear that. what they did. It oh, was ridiculous.
1: No. Um. So now we're gonna get in, and we're gonna <clears throat> excuse me. Um. So we're just gonna finish out this episode with some of their victims in kind of explaining how they got into this. Okay. Because they didn't start off malevolently. Okay. Birkin here sold a total of 17 bodies to Robert Knox, Dr. Robert Knox, and his assistants. He had a number of assistants working for him as well. The first body uh, is that of a man named Old Donald. He's an army pensioner who is sick with dropsy. Um, That is the swelling of soft tissues due to a lot of excessive water, um, it's like a edema, and it usually is indicative of congenital heart failure.
0: I'm only laughing because I didn't know that, and there's a video game called Dropsy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now, now it makes more sense. He died of natural causes in
1: Hare's lodging house. Okay. He, he was a lodger. Yeah. Died of, of congenital heart failure, most likely. Right. And he owed a lot of back rent. He owed about four pounds in... Late rent, which is a uh, a lot. Gosh, what would it be? I didn't figure this part out, but I think that would be like eight hundred dollars. Yeah, that's a lot. Like, maybe not quite that much. Maybe five hundred. Five hundred yeah. is right. Yeah. Um. So well, that's a lot of money. So Hare mentions this to his BFF Burke, right. and he's kind of pissy about it. Um. Together, as they're talking about this, they're like, "Well." We could sell the body just to recoup that financial loss. Ooh. Donald doesn't have any family. Um, he's basically like a, a pensioner of the state. No one's coming for him. He's a poor man. So <laughs> I'm laughing again because I'm uncomfortable. Okay. <laughs> they open his coffin, like he's in his room in the coffin. They open up the coffin. They hide his body. And he's starting to decompose and stink because oh. this is how this works. Um, they hide the body under the bed. They fill the coffin with bark. They close it back up. Person comes to take the coffin away. Isn't the wiser.
0: Right. Because it feels no heavy. Yeah.
1: Right. So later that night, they take the body out. And they try to sell it to Professor Alexander Monroe of the University of Edinburgh, who was a very famous teacher and anatomist at this time. Um, But he had already left his workplace. Oh, okay. He kind of stuck to more traditional hours. Yeah. A student allegedly points them in the direction of Knox, who also needed a lot of bodies. And Knox was well known for keeping much later hours. Oh. So they go over there and they receive a little over seven pounds for this body in today's economy, I use different calculators. So there's kind of a wide range here. This would be anywhere from 500 to 750 pounds um, or 50 days worth of pay for a skilled tradesman. That's... They were not skilled tradesmen. Oh,
0: right. Absolutely. 50
1: days worth of pay. That's this cool. is a shit ton of money. It's a lot of money. Um, very roughly. This is a very rough estimate. But it works out to about $900 today. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of fucking money, man. Um, When they left, uh, one of Knox's assistants allegedly sent to the men, they would be, quote, happy to see them again if they had another body to dispose of.
0: (laughs) Here we go, fam.
1: Right. So Burke and Hare, this is what kicks them off. They're like, holy shit, we just made so much money from a dead dude's body. That's so much money. That was easy. So, um... Hare gets most of it. He gets 4.5 pounds. So he back, yeah. yeah, he gets recouped for his lost rent and then some. Yeah. And Burke gets three point something. Um, which is just a shit ton of money. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. They will go on to earn between eight to 10 pounds for the fresher bodies. Think about how much that is. That's around like know, upwards of
0: $1,200. That's double the freshness right there. <laughs> double the freshness double your fun so they
1: he was again Donald died of natural causes the next 16 were murders okay okay they would go on to have a total of 16 three men 12 women and one child yeah so this is what they did because there's kind of a method to this madness no one
0: saw the face I just made it was like yeah Yeah.
1: Um, at first they were preying on some of the lodging house tenants Always the sick and elderly. Of course. Right? Later, um, the men would go out into the street looking for someone vulnerable. So someone who looked weak, down on their luck, elderly, sick, or very drunk. They got a lot of drunk people. Uh, Hare would invite them back to the lodging house. And then he and Burke would get them really drunk on whiskey. Wow. Burke would then immobilize them because he's the bigger guy. Um, it kind of, they changed their strategy after like the first two murders. But what ends up happening is Burt kind of lays down on them and he puts his knees on their chest mm. and holds them down. Yeah. And hair covers their mouth and nose with okay. his hands. So yeah. they can't breathe. Right. So they can't, they're suffocated, but their chest physically can't expand
0: either. Oh, shit. So it's
1: kind of a faster, more brutal means of suffocation. Okay. Yeah. This quote-unquote trademark method of suffocation is later called burking. Right. Yeah. Smothering someone to death by covering the nose and mouth while compressing the chest. Uh, Historia Lisa Rosner, I'm going to talk about her a couple times. Uh, She has a book that came out relatively recently called The Anatomy Murders. She noted that this, this method of murder is practically undetectable until the modern area of forensic medicine. Wow. Yeah. Because outside of crushing, basically all you're seeing are petechial hemorrhages, which are like um, in your eyes. Right. The, the vessels burst yeah. sometimes because of suffocation. Right. But that's pretty much it. Um, they weren't pressing on the throat. The, there's a little hyoid bone, I want to say it is, or some small bone in your throat yeah. that usually gets crushed when you're strangled to death.
0: But they weren't doing that. And no ligature marks Mm, or anything like that. No ligature marks. Yeah.
1: Um, A lot of times he was applying pressure Burke to the chest, but not breaking ribs or anything. Exactly. So they were, a lot of times they give the bodies and be like, oh yeah, this person drank themselves to death. Mm. Yeah. Which was a common thing that happened. Right. So trigger warning. I'm going to read a quote. It's a little gnarly. This is a description that Burke made in one of his confessions on how they killed the victims. Quote, when they kept the mouth and nose shut a very few minutes, they, the victims, would make no resistance, but trigger warning, would convulse and make a rumbling sound in their bellies for some time. After they ceased crying and making resistance, they, the murderers, left the victims to die by themselves. But their bodies would often move afterwards and some of the time they would have long breathings before life went away. Wow. So that long breathing description, yeah. that's probably Cheney Stokes breathing. What is that? It is a, a pattern of breathing that happens specifically in a dying person um, where the breathing deepens and speeds up. It's like these big, long, awkward breaths. It's it's very atypical. Um and this happens from like thirty seconds to two minutes until they get shallower and shallower and stop, and then there'll be a period of time where the person's body stops moving and stops breathing for a while, and you think, okay, they finally passed, and then they start doing this this Cheney Stokes breathing again. It's, it's um I think it's also called, agonal breathing. That's creepy. Yeah, it's very upsetting. That's really upsetting. It's it's like one of the first thing they kind of teach you in hospice care. It's, oh, it's quite sad. okay, yeah. Um, so, second person, their first murder. In January of 1828, there is a lodger who's only known as Joseph or Joseph the Miller, because he was a Miller. Uh, He gets really sick with a fever. Hare didn't want, um, his family or potential lodgers to, he didn't want potential lodgers to get scared off, and he didn't want this fever to spread in the lodging house. Right. Right? Because... They don't know how to fix stuff back then. So Burke and Hare are like, you know what? We're just going to help Joseph along. So you can see like the steps they take. At first, it's just like, well, this guy died. He owed me rent. We'll just get rid of the body because no one cares. Right. Oh, this guy could potentially hurt other people with his illness. He's going to die anyway. We'll just help it along Yeah, a bit. the slow, yeah.
0: methodical. Yeah.
1: Um, so Burke laid across his chest and hair smothered him with a pillow. They haven't quite developed their trademark yet of
0: Birking. This really is totally like the evolution of a serial killer. It is. Oh, yeah. it totally is. Yeah. I mean,
1: they are. Yeah. Um, in February of 1828, they meet Abigail Simpson, who is a little old lady pensioner, so she lives off you know, money on the state, she doesn't have a lot of stuff, and she's selling salt on the street. She was already drunk when they met her on the street, um, so the pair invites her back to the lodge, where they give her a bunch more whiskey because they, they were kind of like almost getting them into like alcohol poisoning territory where they're completely passed out. Again, you can see like, oh, well, it's not as bad because they're like, oh, they're passed out. So we're just going to, you know. Um, and they suffocate her. They put her body. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so Here's sorry the for laughing. Because it's, it's so awful. <laughs> but it, it's a theme in this. They have this old tea chest, oh. and they put her body in that. And they will use this tea chest for like all the other bodies'
0: <laughs> transportation. It's really fucked up. This is like the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Yeah, it's here. very fucked up. Yeah,
1: um, and they bring her over to Knox. Yeah, they earn ten pounds, which is well over a thousand dollars. That's a lot of money in U.S. economy today. She is the first likely victim of burking. Okay, the kind of you know chest compression, mouth smothering, that kind of thing. Uh, The fourth victim, because I'm counting Donald as a victim too. Yeah. Even though he was dead, like it wasn't their fucking place to sell his body. It was the beginning of all this, yeah. So their fourth victim is an English salesman who we don't, the name is never recorded. People don't know who it is. He sold Tinder and matches. He was a traveling salesman and he stayed at the lodge he grew ill with jaundice while he was at the lodge. Um, As with Joseph the Miller, an earlier victim, Hare didn't want to risk an outbreak among the people or his family, and he didn't want to get a loss of revenue because a lodger became sick in his house and people wouldn't come where a sick person was. So the men suffocated him using the Birking method, sold the body, and got another 10 pounds. So at this point the people in the neighborhood are like how the fuck you guys like why do you have so much money all of a sudden because they weren't poor poor like lodging house definitely could get them through being a cobbler doing other work um but they were by no means like middle class or right robber- and
0: they all of a sudden start raking it yeah in they're down. raking in money yeah.
1: right because um, this is what, probably over $4,000 in the matter of two months, something yeah. like that. That's bananas. It's generally quick. Yeah. Um, they're, and they're not being shy about it. They're throwing money around. They're buying all this opulent shit. Like they're going oh, bananas. man. Right? Um, they realize that, oh shit, people are noticing this is becoming a problem. And they tell all their neighbors, oh, um, we inherited, we had relatives who passed and we inherited a bunch of money. <laughs> I don't know what their specifics were. I think probably they said one of them inherited money and they are like basically brothers. So they're sharing it. Right. Um, And people believed it because why wouldn't they?
0: They didn't have any reason to yet. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So those are the first four victims.
0: Oh.
1: And we're going to pause it there.
0: Oh, you're leaving us on a hanger here. I am.
1: I am. This is just as when people just start to get kind of a heads up. It's, something's a little weird. Yeah. You know, these boys are drinking every night. Right. They're buying all these clothes, all this crazy shit. Right. Yeah. And they're doing it like it's a pretty quick slide from like, well, this guy's his body's here and he would be rent to this guy's sick and he's gonna die anyway, to well, she's a little old lady and I made her pass out.
0: Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. It's pretty bad. I can't wait to hear more. So yeah, next time. What do we have next time? Next time,
1: we're going to cover the rest of the victims because there's a lot.
0: Yeah. Well, you said 16, right? 17. 17 total counting
1: old Donald. Yeah. Who was a natural death. Uh, And probably getting caught. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, that's exciting to look forward to. Yeah. But if they want to talk to us in the meantime, where would they do that?
1: So, if you want to talk to us uh, directly.
0: Because you want to.
1: You want to. You know you do. You can send us an email at deadmydearest at gmail.com. Tell us if you like the podcast. Tell us your own spooky stories. We're going to do a listeners-like episode in the future. It's coming up. I love spooky stuff. Uh, If you want to check out our websites across the social medias.
0: Oh, you want me to do this I want you to do it. Well, that would be facebook.com slash deadmydearest. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Twitter.com slash deadmydearest. And then finally... Instagram.com slash dead my dearest. I'm doing my best.
1: I'm doing my best with those pictures. Yeah,
0: we're trying. If you're like, but I found a bunch on the internet, I'm like, I know. Trust me. I have them all saved. And thank you for listening to us everywhere but Pandora. Yeah. Yes. You can
1: get us on uh, Buzzsprout. That is our uh, home site. We love them. They don't pay us to say that. We just happen to love them. Yep. Uh, you can listen to us on Spotify, Podbean. Podcast attic, uh, Google Play, uh, Apple playlists. I forget Apple what they're podcasts. all. Apple podcasts. Apple podcasts. I forget what they're Google all. Google
0: podcasts. Called. iTunes
1: guys, it's just iTunes.
0: It's yeah. all good. It's all good. It's all good.
1: Pretty much everywhere. Yeah. I mean, you've already discovered us, but you know, tell you hide your friends, hide your wife, tell your friends, tell your wife.
0: We we, we like the latter, not the former. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you think about that one for a I minute. I was.
1: I don't have a lot of caffeine in my system yet.
0: That's fine. We can go fix that. Yeah. So, until next time, everyone. Uh, Stay
1: spooky, darlings.
0: Bye bye. (laughs)
1: <laughs> rolling, rolling, rolling. I don't know I'm in a weird mood okay just like always
0: yeah well
1: I did like this I was just trying to like trim it a little bit but it's very bowl cut you can see where I tried to like make it a little <laughs> don't mind me I'm you in third grade
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love you